Hello, and welcome to the Crypto Masters Podcast, helping the general public to master an understanding of crypto assets. My name is Brian McCoy. My name is Ross Eaton. And we are the Crypto Masters. All right, we're eager to get started. Our goal is to provide information about crypto assets to help the public to make investment decisions in the crypto space. We don't try to predict short-term price movements, so this show is not for short-term traders. We provide information about different crypto assets to allow listeners to make their own investment decisions. This is not financial advice. Yes, disclaimer, not financial advice. Disclaimer. <laughs> this is our second podcast. Of course, our first topic was Bitcoin. So logically, our second topic is Ethereum. That other guy. So <laughs> that's the topic of today's episode. And as with Bitcoin, you know, there's just too much ground to cover um, if we're going to cover all aspects of Ethereum. So again, we'll try to cover, you know, the important aspects to inform, to make you um, informed enough to make your own investment decision. So Brian, let's jump into Ethereum. Let's do it. Let me just briefly hit a few high notes, a little historical background. Ah. Ethereum went live on July 30th, 2015. So several years after Bitcoin uh, was launched. Um, it has its own blockchain. It uses mining with proof of work like Bitcoin currently. But as we'll talk about in a bit, that will be changing soon. So more on that later. It was started with a white paper by uh, a Canadian named Vitalik Buterin. He's kind of the main guy. It was a team of developers and had a very good um, team that developed it. So, Ross, why don't you talk about really how Ethereum is different from Bitcoin, what we discussed in our first podcast. And I think if you're going to talk about this, um, you've got to just, or at least I have to, I'm the one talking here. You got to immediately talk about smart contracts. It's all about um, the smart contracts. It's, it's just the main difference. So what is that? So let me back it up a bit. So Bitcoin mainly verifies transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, Ethereum. Is, with, a, with a cryptocurrency. It's more like, a, you know, just a currency. Yes, right. So it, it's financial transactions dealing with Bitcoins, right? So Ethereum is really more, I mean, you could call it really an application to run smart contracts on, right? So um, basically smart contracts just broaden that horizon. Like it, of course you still, um, Ethereum still uses a currency called Ether, but um, you know, it's, it's much more broad. You can run applications on it um, to come back and verify, you know, those smart contracts on it. If, is that a good explanation, Brian? I feel like I'm kind of... Well, yes, here. it is. And they call it, you know, they called it themselves a decentralized world computer. Like they wanted it to be a, a world computer that uh, that anyone can use to run their programs on it. Um, so I, I think that's kind of what they all, they lump into the, uh, the term smart contracts. It's essentially just a program that developers can use the Ethereum platform to run their program on. And that's really the true power of Ethereum is, you know, it's kind of like if I'm dealing with Bitcoins, I just, you know, every node out there is verifying these transactions. I can't really actually inject code or get involved in my own way unless I contribute to, of course, the Bitcoin um, project. But if I want to write my own application, um, insert 
CryptoKitties. Isn't that the name of it? <laughs> that's that's a big one. If I wanted to write something like that, maybe Crypto Rosses, I don't know. I could <laughs> verify my own smart smart contracts against the Ethereum um, blockchain. So yeah, I think it's really it, it, cool. I mean, it was as great as Bitcoin is and was. Um, you know, I, I think the Ethereum folks, uh, the team saw that we can do more with this. You know, Bitcoin is great. I mean, we love the technology, but it can do more. And that's what Ethereum allows. And, and the more is essentially use this platform as a as a world computer, put it on our blockchain and just gives you a lot more options for the applications. Oh, exactly. And um, I guess the next logical thing to get into is talking about, you know, um, Ethereum to write these start contracts, it's got its own programming language called Solidity. Um, what is that, Ross? You're you're a computer programmer. If they, if our listeners heard the first program, that's your background is computer programming. So, why don't you tell them a little bit about Solidity uh, on a non-technical level? What what? How does that work? So yeah, it, and again, you know, you could get into syntax and all that stuff, but that's not fun to talk about in a, in a podcast, right? No, so, please. I mean, it's really just a programming language that allows you to write smart contracts to then be run on the Ethereum um, network. So that I think that's the best explanation I can come up with. Yeah, I don't think we need to get into too much on the programming. I, I will say that my, my understanding, I'm not a technical uh, uh, programmer, if, if you listen to our first podcast. So, you know, I just, my understanding of smart contracts is I did take a uh, computer programming course in college. And I still remember programming the if thens, then whys, you know, if, you know, or if X, then go here. Um, and I, and I think that's kind of like in very basic terms, what a smart contract does. Yeah. I mean, it's basically, you know, a series of logical steps, like if this, then that, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, and that's very, very high level for you. So, <laughs> and then the D apps. So, uh, D, D apps is, uh, or some call it DApps. It's just the decentralized applications. But that that's essentially what other people like programmers will develop and then they'll run it on the Ethereum platform. And I understand they have to pay a little fee to do that. Um, very basically, how does that work? Yeah, so uh, in Ethereum, that's called gas. So, and it's pretty interesting. It kind of works like, um, I always really relate it back to Uber, like the Uber surge. So like, um, I can't think of a good time when there's been a surge for Uber. I don't use Uber a lot. Well, probably like rush hour, right? Rush hour for yeah, Uber, yeah. you pay more, right? Rush hour, yeah. There's a lot of people, a lot of Ubers um, are being taken up. So it only makes logical sense. Like, well, if I'm if I'm an Uber driver, and I'm rushing all around. I should upcharge this a little bit, yeah. right? So as so, the so Ethereum- from Times Square to the airport, at rush hour is going to cost you a lot more than Times Square to the airport at 3 a.m. Exactly. Right. So, and that's that's the same thing uh, with gas. The gas goes up, um, or basically your transaction fee goes up when the network is just hot, you know, running high. There's a lot of transaction to, um, you know, solve. So, I mean, really makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. Although, um, let, let me segue now to a couple of issues with uh ethereum we uh negative nancy <laughs> we, we we try to uh give information uh you know to help people make investment decisions so you gotta you gotta hear the good and the bad and there there are some issues with ethereum and one of them um well i mean 
now it's pretty widely accepted that there's a problem or an issue with scalability and speed or performance. So, um, and, and examples of, of, uh, the performance aspect and what you're talking about with the gas is, is the crypto kitties. There was a, a popular D app that was published on the, uh, on the Ethereum platform and, and it got pretty popular, but it also then sort of clogged up the uh the 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 performance of the ethereum network and um led to i I think there were high fees there were slow slowed down the whole thing and just sort of highlighted an issue with the with the performance and speed aspect of ethereum yep and 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 there's another uh sort of dark issue in the uh, history of Ethereum that I'm not going to get into the detail uh, this time, maybe a future episode we'll talk about, but that was the DAO. And very early on within the first year of Ethereum, they, they launched a program or, or an application called the DAO, the DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization. Uh, and they called it the DAO. I mean, that's, that can be a, a, a general term, but in this case, they called it the DAO. And in this case, it was going to be a, uh, program is like a venture capital fund where people could invest in it. But long story short, it got hacked and a lot of people lost a lot of money. And it wasn't a problem with the Ethereum program. It was the program launched on Ethereum. But, uh, you know, I think the Ethereum team had kind of supported it and it led to a hard fork and which actually led to the, uh, the Ethereum classic. But Longer story we'll get into, but it just sort of shows some some of the early issues um, with Ethereum. And so they're trying to address some of those now with uh, they're, they're going to try to update the entire uh, program. And they have a they're calling it the Serenity or Ethereum 2.0. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's a couple aspects of this is it's. uh you know, probably a little bit more than we can talk about in this uh, episode, but I think really what it's intended to address are the problems with um, the scalability and then the speed and performance. And two of the things they're going to do on that is changing from the uh, proof of work, which we talked about last time with Bitcoin. Um, Remember, remind us on that, Ross, how does that work with the proof of work? Oh, so basically, um, you know, tons of machines are battling it out pretty much to solve the next uh, or write the next block, you know, to get that um, reward, the coveted reward of writing that next block. OK. Um, and that's, you know, you can see all these machines are running all like, I mean, hundreds of thousands of machines running simultaneously, all trying to be the first one to write that that next block trying trying to solve the the puzzle that gets them the right to claim the block exactly so um proof of stake says okay um if you've got a lot of um you know in this case will be ethereum if you've got a certain x amount okay you're you're invested in this you're uh you're truly into ethereum so you should be um chosen to write the next block and it's it's a little more in depth with that you know like if you have more stake into it you have a higher percentage of being randomly selected. That's in quotes to uh, write the next yep. block. Um, and they're calling us Casper. I mean, that's what they're calling the change from the proof of work to proof of stake. They're calling it Casper. 
I don't know why. But um, and they're predicting the last I heard is first quarter of 2020 when they're going to make the change. I I think that's been a moving a moving target. I think at one point it was going to be in 2019, but um, it looks like now they're saying it's going to be in in 2020. So being a developer, I know uh, implementations are never pushed back. <laughs> that's never a thing. <laughs> What's going on? Oh, I'm just kidding. So the uh, they're getting away from the proof of work. Um, has a lot of criticisms. Proof of work, like you talked about, it uses a tremendous amount of really wasted energy. Everybody who was trying to solve it and didn't essentially wasted all of that energy. And so there's a lot of criticisms of that. And I think even on the uh, proof of work, there's been some figures that, I mean, it, I mean, it uses enough energy to power like New Zealand or yeah, something like that. Country, it, it's yeah. insane um, how much power it uses. So, so, so it looks like on Casper they're going to go to um, the proof of stake, which uses the economic incentives and game theory to try to secure and validate. And so, instead of miners, they're going to be replaced by validators. And the validators have staked their ETH or ether or ETH. It's a uh, uh, ETH. You can call it ETH or ether. And, and that that's. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'd cut you off there. But yeah, that that I think that's a cool aspect because um, you know, if you're um staking this amount of ether on a transaction, and let's say you write a faulty node or faulty transaction, you're you're unjust in your writing, um, that ether is lost. So it's gone. So it's it's a it's incentive the other way. Like, hey, if you're putting up this amount of ether, you better be honest and yeah. be a rightful node. And, and that is actually one of the uh I guess innovations or, or changes from the Casper to some other, uh, you know, proof of stakes that had been discussed, wh where you you'd staked your uh, currency. I mean, in this case, it's ether. In fact, and uh, for Casper, they've said it's going to be thirty-two ether that has to be staked. But instead of just staking it and having it sort of sitting there as a deposit or an escrow, like you mentioned, if you engage in any kind of a wrongful conduct or even you know, negligent conduct, you can actually lose it. So there's a disincentive as well as the incentive to share in the in the reward. So that's uh, part of uh, how the, the Casper is going to work. Yeah, I mean, it, really in a proof of work, you um, can kind of just get away scot-free if you, you know, if you try to write a note and like, oh, it didn't work, I'll just try again. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, usually with the, with the proof of work and with the, with the Bitcoin, um, protocols you just don't get away with it but you don't get punished for it yeah so here if you make yourself uh, a validator and you know you staked your ether and you you don't behave according to the protocols you can actually lose it so that's a good you know that's part of their security for it because proof of work provides security for the net for the for the entire blockchain and and then um so proof of stake is is trying to be an alternative to that and, uh, apparently in uh early 2020 they're going to change over to that. Now, another part, thing about Ether 2.0 is sharding. So, uh, Ross, can you give an explanation about sharding and how that helps with the scalability? Absolutely, Brian. <laughs> so, um, it, it's really used in databases. Um, so, like, the core concept is, hey, let's say we're um, looking for a value in a database, right? And it's like a million rows. So, sorting through that million rows is going to take a long time. So, what they do in databases is say, hey, let's split up these rows in this database to several systems. So if you're looking for value five, so you know, oh, one through 100 is on this system. 
instead of looking through the whole s- stack or, you know, one through five, I'm looking for a value five and one through a hundred is on this system. So I only have to search through a hundred rows instead of a million, right? Breaking it into smaller pieces. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. So you can think of sharding as, um, shards of glass you know it's kind of breaking something apart and splitting it or partitioning you know the database i was thinking it was something you get like after eating a bad burrito or something but no that's not a little little different (laughs) spell in there a little different (laughs) but that's where the mind goes when you hear that (laughs) but yeah i mean it's basically um the and you've said it the huge thing is scalability with uh all these cryptocurrencies um so i think that should help it out and um and really um you know, not all nodes anyway have to validate um, a certain um, block in the blockchain, you know? So it only kind of makes sense. Like, if you don't have to have all these nodes validating that one transaction, why not kind of break it up and, you know? Yeah. Seems to me like, you know, on Bitcoin, if you're operating a full node, um, you you can, you know, I, I don't know the uh, size of, of the download, but I think, you know, most people can operate a full node it seems to me that an ethereum node if you're operating the full blockchain on ethereum because it has all of the smart contracts and the additional code it's got to be a bigger size of uh of of a program to download than the uh bitcoin is that is that true i think yeah i think i can't remember what the last size update of the um ethereum yeah, the Ethereum was. Um, the full, I think, is is pretty big. I don't know, in terabytes, I think it's at least two or three. Yeah, it's pretty huge. Yeah. All right, so that's kind of where they're they're planning to go with planning to go with uh, the the changes, which are some pretty pretty major changes that they have planned, and that's going to be uh, pretty important. Let me talk. Let me just say a little thing because we talked last time about Bitcoin and how it has a maximum total supply of roughly 21 uh, million Bitcoin. Interestingly, there is no total supply limit for Ethereum, but there is a annual limit of 18 million um, Ether per year. So that's, you know, from an investment standpoint, that could be a factor. I, I think it is, we talked about last time with Bitcoin, the scarcity or, you know, what will be the scarcity when the supply essentially runs out could be a factor in driving the supply demand, which apparently won't be part of the ether equation. Yeah, it is kind of like, you know, I'm not a economist. Is that the proper <laughs> phrase there? <laughs> but yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's kind of like a I mean, it's essentially like a rolling limit, right? With Ethereum. Yeah, and it's just. I don't know. So scarcity isn't going to be as big of a factor in the equation. I mean, there's going to be the gas and the ongoing sort of fees that um, Ethereum will charge, which therefore will drive up demand, right? And that's part of the supply-demand equation. So if demand is high, um, you know, the the price still could have an increase, but you apparently aren't going to have the scarcity that you're going to have with Bitcoin. So that's just something to consider. I think maybe we go to uh, some final thoughts on Ethereum for our first show. And I'm going to start out and I'm going to say, take it away. I'm going to say Ethereum has the lead, deservedly so. They came out with a new platform that was very different, I believe, from Bitcoin. Um, You know, took those concepts, but just added a whole 
layer to it with the smart contracts and and adding the programs and having the platform for D apps. And I think that's a, a big thing. And so they got the lead, no question. I mean, they're number two on market cap behind Bitcoin. So they got the head start. But in being first, you know, uh, when you're first, you're the first to also have your weaknesses exposed. But I've always heard if you ain't first, you're last, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem with them being first is they're, they're, uh, weaknesses were exposed and that's speed and scalability. So to me, the, and, and they realize that obviously because they've announced the whole Ethereum 2.0 and they call it serenity. I mean, you know, they're announcing we're making all these changes and they're major changes. I mean, the whole, they're going to have, uh, you know, we didn't talk about it in detail, but the, the, the proof of stake is going to be a separate, you know, sort of blockchain running parallel to the Ethereum blockchain. And then over a pretty extensive period of time, they're going to end up going, then switching over hard forking to the new one. So anyway, it's a big, it's a big change. And the question is going to be, you know, will it work? Can they solve these issues without major set setbacks to keep its head start? Or will other competitors, and there's there's other ones out there. Just which, a couple. Which we're, <laughs> we're going to talk about on our future episodes. Will they be able to surpass it? So to me, that's the question in whether to invest in Ethereum. It's got the lead, no question about it. Um, to me, I, it's not an easy decision. Um, but what do you think? I mean, shoot, just from an entertainment standpoint, I mean, even if you're not investing in this, uh, you got to think it's entertaining. I mean, it, this is just entering a whole new world. But I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you. Ethereum took Bitcoin's concept and just generalized it. Hey, we don't have to just deal with currency. We can deal with anything you know essentially yeah. so i yeah it's a clear one. i mean they, they they opened a whole new uh you know whole new aspect of crypto uh assets and you know that's the platform i mean so they they created the platform and then others came in and jumped in and we'll be talking about those in future episodes and in in soon you know episodes coming up because i think we need to uh do some compare and contrast uh, but you can't discount the fact that it's got the lead. It's the front runner. You know, the first entrant always has uh, a bit of an advantage, and it's just a question of whether they can keep it. And just the genius of Valak. Yeah. Valak. I can't say <laughs> it. Valak, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I agree. You got to give you got to give him and the team a lot of credit uh, for coming up with this new new aspect. Um and we will see what happens. I will say that I am invested in some uh, Ethereum. Are you? I think you are too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. More Ethereum than Bitcoin, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Now, I'm not there. I've got um, I'm more Bitcoin. Uh, I've got some Ethereum, but I'll say also, I'll save it for future episodes, but I'm more invested in other platforms uh, other than Ethereum. So more info to come. Curveballs from Brian. Curveballs. <laughs> but uh, so so that's a teaser to listen to our future episodes. But uh, hey, I think our second podcast, we we laid the groundwork for Ethereum. And that sets the stage for our, our future podcast where we're going to talk about other altcoins. Um, so we, we've laid the foundation with the big two, Bitcoin and Ethereum. And our future episodes will be comparing and contrasting the the altcoin competitors.
It's going, it's going to be crazy, Brian. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Crypto Masters. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one.